Welcome to another episode of Parmenio for the Modern Day Chief of Staff. On this episode, we are going to be discussing what companies want and are looking for in a Chief of Staff. That's what we're going to be discussing on this podcast. Before we get into it, let's just at a high level discuss what we're going to be uh, overseeing here. Uh, First of all, we are going to talk about the research methodology that we use for this research. Um, There's different methods that can be used. We've chosen one. We're going to describe that so you can understand it. Second, we're going to get into the research results. Okay, what are the results of this research? Um, And for this, we have four specific areas we're going to be looking for in terms of employer wants and needs. That, and they are job responsibilities, skills and attributes, educational requirements, and level of experience. So we're going to break it down those four ways and talk about the results and what it looks like. And then finally, we are going to just talk uh, about implications and kind of just give our summary and our point of view on what we found at a a kind of high level and some, some parting words, okay? Okay, let's get into the podcast here. Um, So for research, what we did was we took 150 job postings for chief of staffs. Um, We took it over a time period from November 2018 to March 2019. We took 150 job postings and then what we did was we assessed each job posting um, in those four specific areas I mentioned. So we assessed them by job responsibilities, skills and attributes, educational requirements, and experience. And when I talk about each of those areas, I'll get into it a little bit more in terms of how we did it. Also, just as a quick note, we wanted to get a cross-section of companies. So for example, we didn't want to just have all startup companies in our sample because obviously that would skew things. Uh, We didn't want to have just uh, very mature companies because Smaller companies and startups can have a little bit different varying requirements from a larger enterprise, right? So we broke it down into number of years um, that the company has been operating or since they were founded. And the results look like this. Companies that have been around zero to three years made up 16% of our sample. Companies that have been around four to 10 years made up 34%. Companies that have been around 11 to 20 years made up 16%, and companies that have been around 21 years or longer made up 34%. So roughly uh, half the sample was zero to 10 years, and half of the other uh, companies were 11 uh, years or more. They've been around. Interesting enough, uh, Microsoft, which uh, is in our sample, has been around 44 years. They were founded uh, quite some time ago. Mozilla uh, has been around 21 years. They were also in our sample, okay? So that's the methodology that we used. There are other methodologies that can be used, uh, interviews, surveys, those kind of things. Um, We're doing some work around that area as well. Um, But we finished this research first. We wanted to put it out there, okay? Every job posting will typically have a number of job responsibilities, you know, anywhere from five to 10 or even more, okay? And then we took each job responsibility and we assigned it a category. 
So a specific category. And a, a category could be something like um, scheduling work. It could be project work. It could be process work, right? So we looked at all the job responsibilities on each job posting, and then we assigned each responsibility to a category. So for example, if a job responsibility said, the chief of staff will represent the CEO at designated events and meetings and make decisions for the chief executive officer as appropriate, we would assign that to the proxy category because the proxy category is about representing the CEO, representing the CEO's um, vision, messaging, um, decision-making uh, approach and philosophy. So that goes into the proxy category. If one job posting had 10 job responsibilities and all of them of job responsibilities on all postings, right? So we're gonna add them all up. Then we're gonna divide each category into the total to get a, a percent that it was mentioned, okay? Um, as another example, if the job responsibility said the chief of staff will drive cross-company initiatives, we would assign that to the project category. Projects and initiatives are similar in many ways, right? Maybe not a formal project, could be initiative, involve many of the same skills, stakeholder analysis, project management, goal setting, um, theory and best practices, things like that, right? All right. Okay, so um, in order to assign them into categories, first of all, we created uh, uh, what we call core categories and non-core categories. The core categories are the areas that we have uh, assessed and uh, our point of view is that these are the core areas that allow the chief of staff to execute their role at the highest level. These are the most important categories that allow the chief of staff to execute and drive the operating cycle and the operating rhythm of the organization. And these categories are project process work, proxy work, uh, scheduling work, and strategy and advisory, along with managing the operating cycle. So those are the top five. Project process, proxy, scheduling, strategy, advisory, and operating cycle. Those are the core categories. Non-core categories would be things like communications, uh, talent, client issues, organizational structure things. These are things that um, we would not consider to be core in, in terms of the fundamental role of the chief of staff, but we wanted to capture them and see what it, they look like. Okay, so um, let's get into the results. At a high level, when we look at core categories versus non-core, the core categories, which is what we just mentioned, accounted for 87.45% of all job responsibilities listed, okay? So out of the 150 job postings, all the, the job responsibilities um, posted and listed, 87% roughly of those were related to core categories. So it, it reinforces our hypothesis and our point of view that these core categories are the fundamental categories that a, a chief of staff really has to know have knowledge in and master. And these four categories um, also allow the chief of staff to guide and drive and pace the operating cycle, 
okay? Um, Non-core categories uh, accounted for 12.55%. So you can see the difference there, right? Let's look at the core categories now. Project and process work, which uh, for our purposes, we have in the same category, they kind of go hand in hand. They're a little bit different. Projects are, are something that are, um, you know, have a finite timeline. Typically processes are kind of evergreen and ongoing, but they involve many of the same skill sets, facilitation skills, things like that. Project process work accounted for 31.05% uh, of all job responsibilities. It was the most cited one. Proxy work, 18.5%. Um, managing the operating cycle, responsible for the operating cycle, for the operating rhythm, 16.5% of all job postings mentioned that. Scheduling work, 12.5%. And strategy and advisory work, 8.8%. Um, what this tells us then again is that if you have a strong uh, knowledge base, mastery, experience, and how to use these skill sets, that you will be overall well positioned for a chief of staff role because these are the most common things um, that companies are looking for. Now, to be fair, one company might have uh, eight job responsibilities that are associated with pro project process work, right? and one for scheduling and one for proxy. So there's the distribution can change from employer to employer. So when you're looking at these things, um, they'll be skewed. One of the things about that is, is that um, we think there's a, a lack of full understanding in many companies when they're looking for a cheap lot of employers are shortchanging in terms of what they're looking for. But that's only because on these things you just unless you really get into it like we have and try to understand the nature and role of the chief of staff you're just not going to be able to see it on the other hand there were a few postings uh, quite a few that were very very rounded and well balanced with a very good holistic viewpoint on the chief of staff managing the operating rhythm the chief of staff driving the operating cycle the rhythm of the business things like that and then they talk about that being supported by the other work, project work, proxy work. So there's some very good uh, job postings out there that do that. At the end of the day, obviously, an employer is looking for what they're looking for. Uh, it doesn't mean that they can't um, have and gain new knowledge about how to take this role and maximize it and bring it to a higher level, right? And that's what we're trying to do here. Okay, so now let's look at the non-core areas. Um, the non-core areas, again, counted for 12.5% of all job responsibilities. Uh, communication was the number one at 3.88%, responsible for communicating. And this comes up most often in business units or functional units looking for a chief of staff rather than the CEO, whereby they want somebody that can help them uh, communicate internally for the most part with other groups uh, to you know demonstrate progress and things like that so more more so you see that in functional and business units um, miscellaneous stuff that was really um, kind of stuff that made no sense for the most part 2.59 percent an example of that one company said the chief of staff will manage um, inventory uh, it was a small startup so they, they just needed that person to do it but um, it came up once. 
talent work, so for recruiting, things like that, 2%. Uh, client work, which comes up in kind of professional services firms, 1.5%. Organizational structure work, 1.1%. Um, kind of more advanced finance stuff at 1% and then advanced analytics at 0.26%. But again, the core categories, the core domains, the pillars that we call them, project process work, proxy work, scheduling, strategy, and advisory um, that all support work re re around the operating cycle accounts for 87% uh, of all job responsibilities from all these job postings. So that tells us some good information there. Okay, let's move on to uh, education. So education's a lot easier and more clear. Um, basically we have four categories. Uh, no degree, uh, or, not, or degree not mentioned. Bachelors, bachelor with an MBA preferred, and a master's required, okay? Um, so on 7.5% of these job postings, there was no mention of a degree at all. We can assume they're probably looking for a bachelor's at least, but it wasn't mentioned. Okay, on uh, bachelor's, um, it was mentioned 43% of the time. So on 43%, bachelor is required, bachelor's degree. On 37% of the job postings, it said bachelor with an MBA master's preferred. And on 11.3%, it was a master's or an MBA required, okay? Um, basically, so 46% of these um, talked about they at least prefer an MBA, um, a bachelor required, but at least prefer an MBA or higher, okay? And then a little less than about half is probably a bachelor's degree. One of the things you see here is that tends to go like this. Smaller companies in the startup domain um, are looking for mainly someone with a bachelor's and less experience. Usually zero to three years, zero to five years experience. My guess would be they're looking for somebody younger that has a lot of energy because those environments can have a high burn rate and they can be chaotic, right? Um, so that would be my guess. And then on larger organizations, more bigger enterprise-wide, more complex, they're looking for a more experienced person, MBA preferred or required, 10 years experience, things like that, okay? So depending upon where you're at, what your fit is, and what you might be looking for, you gotta keep that in mind. We'll, we'll be breaking down this data uh, more in the future and some of the stuff that we're writing about in podcast as well. Okay, now let's go to experience. And for this purposes of this podcast, we're just going to break it down by years. We're not going to get into the, uh, the specifics of the types of experience here. So zero to three years, four to five years, six to nine years of experience, and 10 plus years. Those were the categories that uh, we came up with based upon what the postings generally had. Zero to three years, 18% of the job postings wanted somebody with zero to three years. Uh, 45 years was 36%, six to nine years experience was 20%, and 10 plus years of experience was 26%. So 46%, six years or more experience, um, a little bit over 50%, 50% less, five years or less, okay? And again, you see that same kind of mixture, startups, younger companies looking for less experience, more energy, um, 
and bigger companies, more mature, more complex, looking for more experience, more richer experience, MBAs and things like that, okay? All right, so we're on to our final category here, and that is skills and attributes. And skills and attributes is something that uh, most employers almost all have down on a job posting. They're basically talking about, you know, the candidate will be very detail-oriented. The candidate will be very organized. A lot of the things that employers have listed here, uh, very organized, detail-oriented, are kind of like given things, but obviously they see a need to state them because they are essential for the chief of staff. The chief of staff needs to be very detail-oriented and organized. Um, we would like to think that employers should go for um, richer ideas about the qualities of that makes a good chief of staff. We're going to talk about that real briefly, but let's just get into the results now. So basically what we did is we looked at all the skills and attributes listed and um, we added them up and came up with a percent uh, and the percent signifies on, on what percent of all the job postings this skill and attribute was listed on okay so the number one skill attribute listed was stakeholder management skills which actually is a very very important fundamental skill set for the chief of staff to possess understanding how to do stakeholder assessments and stakeholder communication plans which stakeholders have an interest how stakeholders are impacted how you communicate with them and integrate with them and get their input uh, and their support. Very important, especially in, in very um, complex environments with multiple stakeholders, right? So that was mentioned on 52% of all job postings, all right? Number two was communication skills. So just having good communication skills, that was mentioned on 43% of the postings. Um, the candidate is analytical, that was mentioned on 41%. The candidate is an influencer. That's probably a very important one to have and to have that skill set as a, and how you rally people to get support behind what the chief, of, chief executive officer is doing. You don't want to be using your position as the chief of staff because you report to the CEO to get things done. You want to be influencing people to move in the direction that the CEO wants. That's much more important. So that's a very good one. That's at 34%. Uh, problem solver, uh, 33%. Um, the chief of staff is organized, 30%. Chief of staff has good judgment, 26%. Integrity, 26%. Uh, Detail-oriented, we talked about that, 21%. Handles ambiguity well at 19%. So those are the top 10. Um, we have an extensive chapter we're writing on this that we'll make available, be in our book. We'll also make it available for people if you want to have it that'll have all the categories just like 25 26 of them that are scored there um just as a couple of notes a couple of that we would a couple of categories and skills and attributes that we think are very important scored very low on this number one uh, executive presence uh, executive presence very important for a chief of staff to have being poised and composed and confident under times of duress or in situations that can be emotionally charged is a very, very, very good quality to have. And that was only mentioned on 16% of the job postings, but we consider that to be one of the, the top 
skills and attributes that a chief of, a chief of staff should have. Another one was decision-making skills, uh, mentioned at 14%. Again, one of the core responsibilities uh, of the chief of staff and in, in, in driving the operating cycle is forcing decisions, making decisions, pushing out decisions, using the CEO's decision-making philosophy to keep things moving, and also understanding more advanced decision-making tools and skills that you can potentially be using as needed and as required. So that one kind of gets uh, short shrift here. We think that's much more important. Another one, um, driving strategic objectives was only mentioned on 1% of all um, uh, job postings. Now again, that could be a more of a responsibility, but it was mentioned as a skill and a uh, skill and attribute. And then low ego was only mentioned on about 1% of the uh, job postings. Having low ego is very important. You don't want to come into an organization uh, and think, well, I'm reporting to the CEO, I'm this big shot now. You gotta, you gotta keep your ego low. It's that servant leader uh, mindset that you have to bring to bear. All the research on chief of staffs, especially chiefs of staff in the White House that did not control their ego and let it get out of hand, those are the chiefs of staffs that have failed. So it's really important to manage your ego and your, your, your kind of servant leader mentality that you want to have. Okay, so those are the uh, skills and attributes. So we've looked at the job responsibilities, the educational requirements, experience, and skills and attributes here. And overall, we see a few things. Number one, um, we see for the most part that job postings and companies, uh, for the most part, cover the core domain areas and the pillars that we talk about uh, in, in our writings and in our, in our podcast. Project process work, proxy work, scheduling work, strategy the CEO to even move faster. Not recklessly, always deliberately, right? So that's a positive um, and that fits in well in terms of uh, our point of view anyways. Um, there are other skill sets that come up, looking for odd and unusual things. A couple of other things. Um, for the most part, um, job postings and employers really don't look at this job in a holistic way. They look at it as in disparate parts and pieces. They look at it like, you know, the chief of staff will managing these meetings and then we'll do these, handle these processes and projects and do proxy work here and there without a real good understanding of holistically what this is supposed to be doing for the organization. There are some job postings that had a very good kind of holistic understanding of what this is all about, managing the operating rhythm, keeping the tempo and cadence and pace of the organization moving and progressing, right? Decisive decision-making, all these things play into some very important themes that we've talked about before, right? So that's one thing that most employers and people putting together job postings can um, really improve upon. Another thing is that um, they don't market the, this position very well. For, so for example, you, if you're working with the CEO, what, talk about what a great mentoring opportunity for you as the chief of staff to learn from uh, the chief executive officer and gain their insights and their coaching and their mentoring. This is very much can be a mentoring coaching relationship. 
Um, and it's, it's not sold that way at all in terms of most of these job postings. So they're really missing the ball. And also, for the most part, they're not talking about how this role uh, grooms and prepares a candidate for a higher level position in the organization, right? There's no kind of uh, career path mentioned or progression. There is on some, but not, not a lot, it's a small percent. Um, also, most um, employers don't mention a duration. And specifically for startups, this can be a, a highly burnout role. And so if you're a startup, you want to think about what, what is the duration of this role? Is it two years, one year, uh, two years? How do we see this person moving into a different role? Um, and and make, that, make that clear and explicit on the job posting as, as well during the interview process. Those are all selling points, right? And for the most part, uh, employers are missing um, those things, right? And then finally, when it comes to skills and attributes, um, it's kind of a ragtag mix and match of skills and attributes. A lot of this stuff is kind of what you would expect from any candidate. Um, and we're, we feel that most of the employers are kind of missing the boat on what the most important and critical skills are. Um, for a chief of staff. We're going to be talking about that on another podcast, okay? All right, so um, we've talked about our research methodology. We've talked about the categories that we looked at, job responsibilities, education, experience, um, and skills and attributes. And we've given you some of the implications in our overall summary findings of those. Uh, we hope you appreciate um, and, and understand kind of what we've talked about here today. If you have uh, any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us and we'd be more than happy to get back to you. You can always reach me, Glenn, G-L-E-N-N, at parmenio.co. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Parminio. Parminio.